It is so great to be with you here on the Brattlecast. I'm Jordan Rich, along with the man himself from the Brattle Bookshop, Kenneth Gloss, the proprietor. And boy, do we have some cool things we're going to unveil on the next several podcasts. Well over 100 in the library already. Ken, great to see you. And, you know, when I see you come through the door now, as opposed to just on the screen, I notice you're always bearing, uh, maybe not gifts, but certainly interesting items, because you can't leave them with me. <laughs> These are a little too valuable to leave with me, but we've got some great things to talk about today. It's, it's funny. Even though we're doing essentially podcast and verbal radio in a way, bringing in items to show to the audience I find gets me more excited. You have oh, interest. It, love it. It's uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. And and the items I try to bring not only do I try to talk about them, but they lead to other stories, which lead to other stories, which lead to other stories, which will be one of the podcasts we'll do soon. <laughs> well, let's talk about the limited edition club, something I knew nothing about till you walked in here today. And uh, we'll illustrate uh, by describing what we have, and the audience will get a real kick out of it. What is the club all about? Well, well what the club is, is it started in 1929, and they picked out classic books. And what they did is they either had an author signed them, or they had the special illustrations done for mm -hmm. the book mm -hmm. and had the illustrator sign them, or maybe it was the printer, the designer of the book. But the idea was that they put out 1,500 copies and somebody signed it, or sometimes multiple people signed them, and you, you joined the club, almost like a book of the month club. One came out every month, and they were a little bit on the expensive side. And, of course, what a propitious time to start that in 1929. Yeah, I think something <laughs> happened in October of that year that was auspicious. So, so this would be—we'll uh, use examples in a moment, but this would be an exclusive number of books, right, because they were— particularly they were a limited edition that, that's what that means <laughs> limited edition of course and then they had 1500 they were run out of new york and uh yeah the idea was that each month you'd get a classic it was usually in a box uh nicely de designed bound everything about it was supposed to be special they also later put out cheaper editions under something called the Heritage Press, but they weren't signed. They were done on poorer paper, but they were still nice editions. So, so, so the audiences for these were the upper class, the, the more elite among us. It was, it was not only the more elite among, but the people who would collect books yeah. and want a special edition and could afford to pay for the well, special edition course, uh, right, for right. it. Uh, and it's interesting because... There's also was an evolution. This ran until about the mid-70s in that format. And then in the later 70s, early 80s, they had a more limited edition but bigger, larger volumes uh, with a little bit more fancy art. That ran for a number of years. And then the whole thing sort of collapsed under its own weight. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting because we see people who collect these – and have collected, and a lot of times you'll either have a few individual copies that people have bought over the years as secondhand or rare books, or their parents or grandparents collected them. They have large numbers. What I find fascinating is, you know, this ran for 30 years, 40 years, with one every month, so five, 600 things. So much of that 
the way people collect now is so different and the titles they want are so different. Probably 85, 90% of the books, although they're still collected, they're still beautiful editions, nobody will pay very much for them. Mm. They're not titles that people want now. They're maybe not illustrators that anybody knows. But there were probably a couple of dozen that people absolutely love. Uh, there are ones signed by Robert Frost. So obviously see, Robert Frost I can Frost see that collectors. being pretty popular. Yeah, yeah there, there are ones that are uh, done by famous artists, and I'll get uh, Thomas Hart Benton and Mark Twain editions. A lot of them they used because they didn't have to pay copyright. They, they were out of copyright, so they could do fine editions. Now, the one that I brought in... We had just recently bought a large library in one of the suburbs of Boston. had a lot of beautiful books in it, probably two or 3,000. No, actually, maybe three or 4,000 books in all. Mm. But these, I thought, were fun. And the two volumes I brought are Alice in Wonderland and Alice Through the Looking Glass. They were done in the 50s. But the really neat part about this is usually the books were all signed in the back and you would get a page where it would said, this is copy number 490 of 1,500 copies of the limited editions Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll with illustrations by John Tenniel, who was the original illustrator. So they re-engraved them, uh, told who re-engraved them. And, of course, you couldn't have Lewis Carroll sign this. He was long gone. Tenniel, the original illustrator, was long gone. So who, pray tell, might have signed it? Let me take a look. Alice. <laughs> Alice Hargraves. Now, that, explain who that Alice is, because she's very pivotal. Well, when Lewis Carroll wrote the book back in the 1860s, there was a young girl who was a neighbor of his named Alice. So that's who he wrote the books to. She lived a long life. These were done in the 1950s. So she was almost 100 years old. In, right. Oh, my God. But this, these are actually signed by Alice. That is amazing. So to have a copy of Alice Through the Looking Glass. Now, w another rarity of it is on some of them, she couldn't sign all 1,500 copies, probably because of her age. So some weren't actually signed. So when you're collecting the Limited Editions Club of Alice, you have to first ask, is it one signed by Alice? <laughs> May I and, hold this? Of course. This book, it looks amazing. Beautiful cover. Beautiful cover, signed by Alice uh, of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, so wow. if you really want to give somebody a special gift of Alice in Wonderland, this, and there are so many beautiful editions. This is amazing. Now, of course, the, that begs the question, what is something like this worth uh, this, in today's market? This one probably sells in the range of $1,000, $1,500. Mm -hmm. uh, the Alice in Wonderland I have here isn't signed. It's one of the unsigned copies. It's probably three to 500 copies. Just curious. Dollars. Is there a Lewis Carroll signed book? Well, he was long gone even before 1929. Oh, no. He, he signed. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah. And not only... An interesting thing about Lewis Carroll, he wrote letters, he took photographs, he had other books, he did sign books, but he always did them in purple ink. So if you're collecting things signed by Lewis Carroll or letters, there are a few that aren't in purple ink, but really stop and question those. Be really wary. look closely. Be wary of Be the wary of them. Wow. And, but the purple ink, you still have to double check, 
but much more likely that it actually is signed by him. It's interesting. Uh, I've talked to autograph collectors, uh, you know, sports memorabilia, and they always say if you have an autograph signed to Ken or to Jordan, it's not anywhere near as much value as just a straight signature. Is that the same in, in uh, books? Not really. In, in books, uh, the signature is good, but they're known for writing. They're famous for writing. So if you have, let's say, a Robert Frost book where he signed it and said Amherst, 1920, uh, and then wrote part of a poem on it, mm. that's much better. Okay. Uh, if you had Lewis Carroll writing and saying, uh, to Alice, you're the one who inspired me to write this book or whatever, it's usually better. The other thing that's nice about it, and I actually have friends who collect even sporting books that are assigned to either another athlete, to somebody famous, and so on. And they say one of the reasons they do that, it's much, much less likely that anyone's going to forge a book like that. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. I didn't think of it that way. Um, but, but the idea, again, I want to circle back, the idea that the woman who inspired Lewis Carroll, the character of Alice, is the same woman who in 1950-something... Hundred almost a hundred years later, Signed. is signing that. That is incredible. But so it makes it all the better. But yeah. the limited editions club, they did have some interesting uh, signatures also. Um, in some of the books, people go, well, "Why would you want Lysistrata by Aristophanes as being worth four to five thousand dollars in one of the more expensive limited editions club?" Why would that one be? Well, the illustrator they got was Picasso. <laughs> so not only do they have original oh. etchings in it by Picasso, but he signed it at the end. I was trying to figure in my mind, how is Ken going to explain is an ancient Greek who died thousands of years ago, and that makes it all the more worthwhile? Yeah, you just Picasso. say it was signed in the original <laughs> Uh, artwork is by Picasso That's and so incredible. on. Now, there's one that is even, I think, even more fascinating. Ulysses by Joyce. Again, actually, there are copies of that that go up into the ten, fifteen thousand dollars and more. But there's a real great story behind it. It was actually signed by two people. One, the uh, the author. James Joyce. James Joyce. Well, anything signed by James Joyce, especially in Ulysses, is edition is going to mm. be valuable. The illustrator they got to do it was Matisse. Oh. Now, but there's even more to it. A, a copy of the limited editions Ulysses signed by Matisse is probably worth, again, the four or $5,000 range. But it was intended to be signed, all 1,500 copies were intended to be signed by Matisse and Joyce. Matisse signed all 1,500. Joyce signed about two or 300, about 250 of them. And then he looked at the illustrations. And he realized that Matisse never read Ulysses by James Joyce. He illustrated the classic Ulysses, the, 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 the ancient Greek Ulysses. <laughs> so all of the illustrations in the book in no way fit what the book was. So after a couple of hundred, when he looked and saw that, he refused 
to sign any more of them. The, I was I was about to joke that can you blame Henri Matisse for not getting through the first two pages of Ulysses, <laughs> the toughest book in the world to ever read? But that's interesting. Wow, what so, a great so, story. So the ones that are signed by Matisse and Joyce go in the ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollar range. The ones just signed by Matisse because you're getting original artwork by Matisse, go in the three, four, five thousand dollar range. But can you imagine Joyce being there, signing, and then actually looking and saying, wait a minute? And he didn't, he, so, he, you know, Matisse obviously didn't even attempt on it. So, <laughs> so again, there are other books in the series. Uh, there is, uh, there's one signed by uh, photographic art by Edward Weston. Yeah. There's, um, and, and there are a number of others, but there's maybe only a dozen or more that collectors now will buy so, so just you, because they want those particular right. authors. So illustrators you've want. mentioned, obviously, the Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll, James Joyce, um, a few of the other big names. Who would they be? Well, Picasso, right. uh, Thomas Hart Benton, uh, Frost. Uh, then, then you get into uh, a little bit more obscure. You, you get into the... Um, like I say, the Edward Weston, there was uh, Ansel Adams. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, they they varied over time, and then some of the books are just beautiful. So, and people still collect them; they still buy them. But the average limited editions club now might be twenty five, fifty, seventy five dollars. Whereas, when you're buying the collections, what you really look at is for those dozen copies. If they're there then you can pay a lot of money. The other thing about them is they were put out with boxes. They were put out to be fine, beautiful editions. If they don't have the boxes, if the bindings are a little bit worn and chipped and not perfect, that also has a big effect. Very much like uh, old record albums. If the cover, uh, the sleeve, is not intact, it's, it's worth more if it's in good yeah. shape. Well, that's interesting. So if somebody's interested in in purchasing something like that, they could certainly connect with you and you'd be the perfect person. Absolutely. And either I'll have some of them or I'll know who does have some of them and we can always turn them up. I mean, 1500 although it's a limited edition, uh, there are that in the book world, that usually even 50, 75, almost 100 years later still allows for copies being out there. The other thing is... When it was bought as a special edition, people tended to take good care of them. So more of those survive than some mm. random book that nobody knew about at the time and cared about. So you can get them. It's a matter of your finances and, the, the, <laughs> and what you're willing to pay and what you want and how much it means to you. But uh, it, they're a lot of fun. And like I say, just having something and realizing you can get something signed by Alice— Lewis Carroll's one thing because the author's sign, but actually having Alice. <laughs> uh, I, I feel closer to the Wonderland experience than ever before. I almost expect a big rabbit to walk through the door at a studio here. Oh, you don't have that happen all the time? <laughs> well, his name is Harvey, a different <laughs> rabbit. Ken Gloss is, of course, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop. And if you want to find out more, go to brattlebookshop.com and Continue to listen to the podcast and send us suggestions and requests. We'd love to follow up on those, as Ken and I have done many, many times. Yeah. 
Let's do more. This is fun. I, you know, I always tell people when you have someone who loves what they do, you obviously from the radio and Love broadcast it. end, but me with the book end, if you ask a question, the problem isn't getting an answer. It's getting them to stop answering. So, yes, I love what I Which do. Which makes my job easy. Thanks for listening. You've been tuning in to the Brattlecast, and we've got great episodes to come.